Well, good morning, everyone. We are continuing our series in the book of Philippians, where we're thinking about what it means to have the joy of God in us. The series is called Pure Joy, and this book is, we will continue to talk about every single week as we explore it, um, as we consider what it means to have this joy is written by a guy, Paul, who finds himself in prison, and he doesn't know what's going to happen with his life. In fact, I think there's parts where he kind of reveals he thinks he might be put to death because of the way that he has this perspective, and yet he writes with this persistent joy. And in this book that is just four chapters long, he uses the word joy 13 different times. And it's one of those things that's just unbelievable. Like, how do you keep saying joy when you might be put to death soon? And that's very real, right? I don't know about you, but someone cuts me off in traffic and that steals my joy. And what does it look like to have this persistent joy, even as, as life can be sometimes difficult, as it sometimes is, is oppressive and hard, what does it look like for us to have the joy that is ultimately sustained at any moment of life? So we're going to turn to chapter 4, and let's start with chapter 4, um, verse 1 of this morning. Paul says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, he's writing to this house church of people, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. So he begins this, this final chapter with this beautiful sentence. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, like I am in chains here in prison, and I just love you and appreciate you so much. We talked a few weeks ago about how studies have shown, and this was in like USA Today, which is not like a religious thing at all. Studies have shown that being part of a church community actually leads to mental and emotional health. It actually has shown in many reports and different studies that it leads to longer life. So we're talking about changing our motto to come to church or die because it's just like it's, that's just how, how it goes. And actually, whatever it is that you are participating in that is bigger than yourself, I think helps you to think about that. Do you have anything in your life that you would just say, oh, I love and long for this? I hope that for you it is being part of our church community here and that you really deeply desire the gatherings that we have together to remind ourselves of the love of Christ and then invite others into this as well. Because having that perspective, I think, is ultimately extremely healthy to have something that is bigger than yourself that you're giving your life to. And Paul uses a fascinating word, a word that I actually talked about several years ago, the word Stephanos, which means a crown or wreath, and it's an image from athletics. If someone would have won an Olympic event during that time, they would have gotten this crown, this Stephanos, that would have said they achieved this victory. He says, you guys are like finishing in first place, making the podium at the Olympics. And I chose that image because of that guy's hair on the one side. That is like really epic hair. But he says, you all, you, you church community, you who I've dedicated my life to, it's all worth it. It's sacrificial, and yes, I, I might die. I don't know how this is going to go, but all of it's worth it because you guys are like my joy and my crown. We get a taste of that every couple years in the Olympics. You get the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics. Olympics fans in here, anybody? A few people at least. Um, and you tune in and, and you're watching, and whenever there's an Olympic event that's coming up, um, they don't go right to that particular event. They go back to the studio, and it's Bob Costas or Mike Tirico sitting next to like a crackling fire and they say like well here comes a very touching story about Igor Ibrahimovic and what has happened in his life and what happened to 
his brother and his brother's pet llama. And you're like watching this and all of a sudden you get super interested because you get to know that story a little bit. And you're just watching this and after you have the background of what happened and what's going on and the things that that person has overcome, someone walks into the room and you're like yelling, go Igor! And everyone's like, what, what are you doing? You've never been interested in Greco-Roman wrestling before. How do you suddenly get involved in this? It just takes a few minutes getting involved in someone's story and learning a little bit about what they've been through and what, they're, what they've overcome to participate in something like that that makes you just so plugged in and glued to it. There's something very significant that happens. And for Paul, he's writing to a group of people that he knows their story. He knows what they're going through. He knows what, it, what it's like to be in that place. And he's saying, you guys are my joy and my crown. I literally, I just beam with joy and hope because of you. What a profound statement. And again, I hope that this is something that you think about as, as our church and our church family. It's something that I think about as, as your minister. I've been here for over 10 years now. I think I'm the, the longest, based on the records that we have, the longest tenured minister here. So move out of the way, that other guy. And um, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be your minister, and it's an honor to me in the ways that we are, are showing the love of Christ to the world. You guys are like my crown. And not because of what I do, and we're not a perfect church, we're not a perfect group of people, but because of the ways that we do show the love of God to each other in the world, I'm so proud of you. And Paul writes and says, I have this great joy because of you. And then he continues, and he says this, I plead with Theodia, I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they've continued at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. So he writes and says to a couple ladies, they're likely Greek converts to Christianity. They have Greek names. Iodia is a Greek word that means success. Syntyche is a name that means lucky. And it's ironic that it means lucky because she's not so lucky in this moment because Paul basically says, figure out your problem, guys. Imagine that you would have gathered here, and it's probably a house church of people, 20 people or so, and they're listening to this letter be read aloud. And Paul, toward the end of it, says, hey, you two, figure out your problem. Imagine just being in that room, called out by Paul. You don't even fully understand this or know this yet, but you're going to be called out for a long time by preachers who mention this problem that you have. Yodia, Syntyche, see each other through the lens of the Lord. It's going to be difficult for you, so he says, and true companion, and we don't know who that is. There's been tons of like scholarly things about that. No one knows exactly what the true companion is, what it means, but Paul is saying to someone else, basically, get involved in this situation. Help these ladies help themselves. Just imagine being one of them in that moment. That this letter is being read aloud, and you're super excited, and it's interesting because Paul, I think, sets them up a little bit the passage that Bianca read for us so beautifully, Philippians chapter 2, some of the greatest words of Scripture, that Christ came into the world and Christ was, was humbled. 
so that we all could experience this. So there's the Christ hymn that he mentions. It's, it's, it's beautiful about the very nature of God being humble. And then Philippians chapter 3, we talked last week about how Paul says, I could brag about all this stuff if I wanted to, but I'm not going to, but I'm going to mention it anyway. But because I, I could I go that way and be really proud about that, I'm not actually going to do that. But I will just say that really in reality, when I see all that stuff now through the lens of Christ, I realize that it's nothing. And he uses a word that we talked about last week that's kind of a crude word to describe what he thinks about his past. And then he says, you all, though, we're all citizens of heaven. I like to think about these women who have this problem, whatever it happens to be. And I love that we don't know exactly what it is, because if you've been a part of a church for any amount of time, you've had a problem with someone in your church before. And we don't know what it is. And in Philippians chapter 2, as this is being read aloud, you know, the Christ hymn, and, you know, Yodi is like, yeah. Gosh, I hope Syntyche is listening to this. I hope she's taking notes over there. And then gets to Philippians chapter 3, the citizens of the gospel stuff, and Yodia is like, oh, or Syntyche, let me reverse it. Syntyche is like, oh, wow, Yodia really needs to, to listen to this part. So he talks about like the, the grand scale of this stuff and what this means for us in Christ. And then he's like, but we can't just leave it like theologically and out there. I heard y'all two are beefing. You have some problems. And you need to figure it out. And imagine that it's like when I knew trouble was was, uh, around when my mom said, Brian Philip Shackman, get in here. You know, like you knew when the middle name gets used, you're in trouble. When Paul calls you out, Like, you have to be like, okay, whoa, uh, how did he even find out about this? He's in prison. Did someone tell him? Like, how does he even know? And what's interesting about it, a couple different things. First, um, he doesn't take sides. He doesn't say, you know, Syntyche, you need to figure this out. He doesn't say that they aren't justified in perhaps, like, having a disagreement. He also doesn't say that it's not a big deal. He doesn't create a false sense of, you know, like, oh, you just need to be best friends from this moment on. What he says is, you two, you've had this problem. It started at the church picnic five years ago when Syntyche didn't compliment Iodia on the dish that she brought. And then there was the issue at the church softball game. It just got worse. And you now are in these sides, and you're in your corners, and you have all these things. And Paul doesn't say, like, yeah, Yodia, you need to figure that out, or Syntyche, figure that out better. What he says is, okay, there's this issue between you. I don't even really want to get into it. But you need to have the same mind in Christ Jesus. That is our way forward here. See this through the lens of Jesus Christ. Because if not, you can end up focusing on this problem. And the issue is, it's not just for you. What it destroys is the community around you. Because I'm here in prison, a long way away from your church and your situation, and I got to tell you, I've heard about this, and it is destroying you. And you are my joy and my crown. I long to see you thrive. I long to see you live out the call of Jesus Christ on all of your lives, and it's killing me here. To understand that there's this issue between you two. And the way forward is that you would look at each other, not, well, he did this or she did this, and this is how this happened, or this is how this went down, but that you would look at each other through the lens of Jesus Christ. I think this is a message that we all, like, desperately need to hear. What Paul is saying is everything is more connected than we might think. 
that you just can't have this problem with this person and remain angry, and it's just going to be okay. You can just go your separate ways and not really ever interact again, and it's going to be fine because everything is connected. We live in a world that is increasingly depersonalized and disconnected. Here's just a few examples of that. And I have to tell you, I, I enjoy some of these things. I love that you can put an order in on Starbucks and like not have to wait in line and you know talk to somebody. I love the fact that things can just get mailed instead of going to the grocery store, or that you can do online banking so you don't have to like physically go into a bank. That you can have food delivered to you, whatever it is that you want. These are amazing, great conveniences. Mandy showed me a great tweet last week that um, their, the Uber Eats logo was on the salad bar at Chuck E. Cheese. And it said, like, Uber Eats, like, when, when you want the, the Chuck E. Cheese salad bar, but not the Chuck E. Cheese experience. I don't know how many people are Uber eating Chuck E. Cheese, and especially, specifically, the salad bar. Like, bring me the salad right now. I don't think that's happening all that often. And again, there's some really awesome things about this, and it's like more convenient and saves you time. There's some great blessings in this. But the question that I think is deeper that we need to ask ourselves in a world that is like increasingly depersonalized and disconnected, if you're going to use some of those apps and things, that's fine. But okay, then what is the community that you're giving your life to? Where is the place that you are saying, I am deeply connected to this, and I'm deeply connected to being part of this. In a less and less personal world, we need to be in communities that sometimes are going to challenge us. So Paul writes to these ladies and says, you guys are killing me here because it's not just about you two having this problem. It's limiting what your church can do. Everything is Connected and the way forward for you and the way forward from here into eternity. And preachers will use Yodia and Syntyche as an example forever. It's seeing each other through the lens of Christ. Paul lives with this awareness that everything is connected. And sometimes, yes, that means you're going to have to have some difficult conversations, but when you have those conversations, do it through the lens of Christ. Several years ago, Mandy said to me, I've got an idea that you're not going to like. And she said, the back issue that I have, which I have called enclosing spondylitis, it's an inflammatory disease. And she said, I think we should try going gluten-free for a while. And I didn't even know what a gluten was back then. Um, I was very unaware of what it was. She kind of gave me a list and said, these are, these are the things that we have to avoid. And I said, oh my goodness, that's all my favorite things pretty much. But um, we're going to have to have to try that. And one of the most sacrificial, loving acts that any person has ever done for someone, she said she was willing to do it with me, even though she didn't necessarily need to. So praise Lord for that self, selfless act. But we tried it for a month, and I got to tell you, it made me feel a lot better. My joints felt better, and it was just really, really good. And I'm very blessed that I don't have celiac. Maybe some of you have, have that in here. That is, that is brutal, because that is really bad. I don't have it as bad, but I think I am sensitive to it. So I have gluten here and there when I'm out, but we try to be gluten-free as much as we can at home. And it's really been a great blessing in my life. But I remember having this, like, oh, duh moment. Like, I just, for the first time, I thought, wait, what I put into my body actually affects how I feel? And I was like, 
I have like seven years of degrees. How did I not think of that before? But I think we just live in a world that's very compartmentalized. That it's like, all right, well, I'm going to like worry about this here and worry about that there and not necessarily think about the fact that like, yeah, what you put into your body, it has implications for your life. Like, yeah, what you do over here affects what you do over here. So Iodia and Syntyche, I know that you have this issue, but it's not just going to be only about like you guys. It's affecting the larger community. Like what you, Iodia and Syntyche, are putting into this body of Christ in Philippi, it's not healthy or helpful. So you need to, to just flip your vision of each other, flip your vision of the situation and say, okay, 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 I'm not going to focus on that anymore. Instead, I'm going to see this person and this situation through the lens of Christ. And so Paul writes this letter, and some scholars have said, it's maybe a little bit of an overstatement, that this may be the reason that he writes this letter. Because this is such an issue that he needs to call these two people out. Again, he kind of sets them up, and Paul's so brilliant that at times, I think he's doing way more than just one thing in a letter, but he's so brilliant because he says, like, all this big stuff, and yeah, Christ Jesus is this, and you should focus on this. And again, Yodi and Syntyche, they're amening for that part. But then when it comes time for Paul to kind of turn the lens onto them and say, but you two, be careful. See each other through the lens of Christ. Because what you're doing doesn't just affect you and your relationship. It affects the whole thing. We're not too comfortable at times with terms like sin in our world today. We don't like to think about that. We'll say things like, oh, it's just a mistake. What happens when it's not just a mistake? What happens when you fly somewhere to commit a mistake? Or what happens when this mistake continues and it affects way more than you. One of the reasons why I think we're comfortable sometimes using this mindset is we don't like to think about the implications and the ripples out from the things that we do, the the things that sometimes are products of our behavior. We think that we're all individuals and we're all on this island and we're all just doing this on our own. But we all are connected. We're a body that's bigger than just us. I think Paul would say to all of us, adopt the lens of Christ. Because you are trying your best to bring honor to God with the way that you live and the way that you're doing it right now, it's not working. There's a couple of Proverbs that, that come to mind that I think are helpful uh, Proverbs 17.9 says, Whoever would foster love covers o- over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Proverbs 10.12 says, Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Maybe a good question to ask at times in your life does, is just to say, does love a- repeat this? Do I need to have this negative attitude? Do I need to have this bitter perspective? Or could I let that go? Could I see that through the lens of Christ? And could we all be better for it? Because Paul is trying to say to this group of people, your actions, they're not just an island, and they affect way more than you. It's 
not just about this problem, this issue that happened a long time ago. What you are doing, Yodia and Syntyche, it's killing me. And I'm hundreds of miles away in prison, but I've gotten this news that whatever it is that is happening between you is wrecking like the future that God has for you and this church. So, ladies, I know this is hard, but agree with each other in the Lord. Because that ultimately will change your heart, and it has ripples way beyond you. I think one of the issues that we have in the way that we see things is that we trust ourselves way too much. And I say that as someone who trusts himself way too much when it comes to situations. I have this this short clip that we'll watch uh, for just a minute. It's actually a a clip from the movie Pirates of the Caribbean, and they play some different music over the same scene. And so I want you to notice how different the scene looks with just a little bit of a musical change. So go ahead and put that up there for me, Simon. All right, so you get the idea. That just with a little bit of a change in a musical score, what you see changes a lot. 
again, I think it's easy for us to trust ourselves just a little bit too much in how we view people or how we view circumstances or how we view situations. So what Paul is, is saying to these women and says to us, there are going to be issues that come up between you and there's going to be problems that you're going to have together, especially when you're in community. Being in community is hard, but I beg of you, Iodi, I beg of you, Syntyche, that you would see each other, not about, you know, what happened five years ago and then caused this and caused this and now you have this issue that is between you that seems insurmountable. I beg that you would see each other through the lens of Christ. Because it's so easy for us to be manipulated. We watch a movie and we're so manipulated by the music that's behind it. What does it look like for us to understand that we need to let go of some stuff, not trust ourselves completely, but to choose to look through the lens of Christ at each other? I'd like to have the band come up now and those who are serving communion head to the back. One thing that this passage, I think, makes clear is that we are desperate to understand more deeply what the love of Christ means. That we would allow the love of Christ to transform us, and we are thankful that Christ looks at our lives and looks at our brokenness and our sin, but chooses to love us anyway, that God sees the brokenness that we can be part of, and God says, but still I'm going to send my son, I'm going to sacrifice my son because I deeply love you. But in Christian community, we can't just leave it there. It affects how you see Eodia. It affects how you see Sentike. It affects how you see insert name of whoever it is that is hard for you to love. That's one reason why I, I love the fact that we take communion weekly because it reminds us that we can't see things the way that we would just want to see them on our own. We need to have the eyes of Christ to see the world. I love the words of this old hymn, Come Thou Fount, that we're going to sing right now.